Hello and welcome to the Geeky Medics podcast. My name is Josh Chambers, a medical student at the University of East Anglia and this podcast sort of selfishly gives me an excellent excuse to interview really interesting doctors and healthcare professionals from a range of backgrounds, drilling down to why they chose the speciality they're in and what it's really like to do the job. We have some really interesting guests lined up for the next few months and indeed the new year so don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of it if you have any ideas as always for future guests please do get in touch in this episode however we are concentrating on emergency medicine i hope you enjoy guest this week is Dr. Simon Lang. Simon is an emergency medicine consultant at Bristol Royal Infirmary, as well as working on the Devon Air Ambulance. He also co-hosts another podcast called Recess Room. Dr. Simon Lang, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks very much for inviting me. Um, I thought it'd be really interesting. The reason I, I sort of asked you to come on the podcast really was because I um, listened to your podcast Recess Room um, which I found really useful in my final year of medical school and I think other sort of junior doctors would find it interesting as well um, but but as well as that I sort of wanted to talk to you about your career in emergency medicine and pre-hospital medicine generally um, if that's okay with you. Yeah that's fine and thank you very much for the mention of the podcast it's very kind of you. <laughs> that's all right I hope you listen to this one as well. No. <laughs> I do. I, ha- I have listened to the uh, to the episodes, both out of interest and in preparation for this. So yeah. I have. Okay, good. You've done your you've done your homework. <laughs> um, so I know you're obviously a busy man. We'll, we'll come on to sort of what other things you do as well. But what's an average week like for you, um, sort of in the things that you do in, in both emergency medicine and, and what you do with the podcast? So um, I'm an emergency medicine consultant at heart, and I work at the Bristol Royal Infirmary, which is a Brilliant emergency department, obviously, in Bristol. I don't do that completely full-time, so I work uh, on the Devon Air Ambulance as a pre-hospital critical care consultant, and I probably do that at the moment about a quarter of my time, and then the rest of the time, from a work perspective anyway, when family's not keeping me really busy, we'll be doing the Recess Room podcast. So so how do you balance the two? I mean, you're an emergency medicine consultant, you're you're a pre-hospital medicine consultant, and, and you're also running this podcast how do you sort of fit it all in uh, to work with a lot of other people who are very good at doing a lot of work I guess is uh, is the honest answer but yeah um so I guess to, to to describe to people who are listening um when you first pick your career you probably first of all you get into med school you decide you want to be a doctor something comes along the way you decide that's going to be your focus and your specialty but at various points throughout that process certain things will come up um, and depending on the amount of time and dedication you place to them and the amount of interest they hold, then I think having a portfolio career and having fingers in several different pies is something that mm. is becoming more and more common. So I started out as an emergency medicine consultant and that was about six years ago. Mm. I haven't taken the line that you would normally take now to get into pre-hospital emergency medicine but I did that whilst being a consultant and then eventually there becomes a bit of tweaking of job plans and you end up in what is essentially your perfect job. So I think I'm really yeah. lucky in that regard. 
So sort of going back a bit, where did you go to medical school? Uh, So I went to Birmingham Medical School. And now you're at Bristol Royal Infirmary. How did you end up there? Yeah, so so the journey there um, was essentially growing up in Stratford, so not too far from Birmingham, uh, went to that medical school, which was brilliant, did all of my training, uh, you know, F1, F2, specialty training in emergency medicine up in Birmingham, and then had a brilliant uh, consultant post in emergency medicine at what was the Heart of England Foundation Trust in Birmingham, working with an amazing bunch of colleagues, and then subsequently moved down to Bristol to the great emergency department we've got here um, and that's predominantly to be around family uh, and also to join that department so yeah it's been really good. And, and why did, what made you sort of choose emergency medicine as a speciality? Um, I sort of know people are pu- pushing me now to, to think about where I might want to go even as a, as a medical student but I have absolutely no idea. I mean how do you make that decision? So I th- yeah, I think you probably go into medical school and the first few years, um, or certainly I did, with a an expectation that you were going to do a particular specialty. And I always thought that I was going to do surgery, or certainly during the time at medical school and projects and things that I did at that point were geared towards that. And as part of the F2 year, I did a placement in emergency medicine, which was at uh, the Alexandra Hospital in Redditch. And I always hoped that that job was going to be something quite special and it was essentially career defining in it was such a good experience across the whole array of presentations that could come in it shows my age by saying that at the time I did that F2 job we would be the only doctor in the department at night yeah which is I mean to imagine that now is phenomenal really um and seems shockingly worrying now thinking about it but <laughs> the honest answer is you're working with a formidable set of nurses who yeah. really were running the show and and we were just there to be a small part of the team but it was a fantastic experience and i think from that point really there wasn't really going to be another career that i i wanted to be involved in and how stressful is the career i mean people I've chatted to advisors and said, oh, you know, emergency medicine sounds good. But but as a consultant, you know, you're still doing nights, you're still doing shift work. How stressful is that? And sort of how do you cope? Do you need to be a chilled out person to, to cope with a career or, or, you know, how does it work for you? Uh, I'd love to claim that it's, you know, the most stressful job and that we're absolutely phenomenal people that you're just born to be in this specialty. <laughs> but I, I don't really think that that's the case. Um, I think you've you've got to enjoy the challenge of an undifferentiated patient and you've got to enjoy the idea of making really critical decisions when you've got a limited amount of information. But yeah. I think any job really is pretty stressful. And yeah. whether you're an emergency medicine clinician, whether you're um, a surgeon, whether you're a dermatologist, whether you're a GP, a lot of it will be, you know, around the ability that you've got to go home and focus on other things other than mm. what you've just done there's a there's a degree of risk in you know whatever specialty you're doing yeah um but i actually think the work-life balance in emergency medicine is great and i've really enjoyed it and would highly highly recommend it what's your favorite part of the job then uh without a doubt the teaching so working with not just doctors but all forms of clinicians so nursing background paramedic background mm. Other allied health health professionals and just seeing really enthused people um, who want to deliver the best care possible, really. And I think, you know, if teaching's selfish um, and it goes along with podcasting as well, it yeah. it isn't just about teaching other people. It's about 
learning a phenomenal amount mm. whilst you're in inverted commas teaching yourself yeah. and uh, i guess the art is just trying to disguise the fact that you're learning at the same time yeah yeah but has there been a case that stuck with you over over your career in in emergency medicine that that you, has sort of been a defining moment for you or, or, or is it or, or really is it just sort of the, the the volume of patients you get through the emergency department um so i guess the answer to that is yes um and would probably make a much more exciting episode if i could tell you what that case was but it probably can't for confidentiality reasons yeah. but i think there are a number of sort of pinnacle cases that you'll see in your career which you know have a huge impact and and that's for a, a variety of reasons but i think one thing which we're really lucky within emergency medicine is just the breadth of cases that we see so different ages different problems yeah, um, yeah. the different reasons that those patients are coming to you which isn't always you know a, a medical reason um but yeah that there have been a number and um and yeah the, i think they're really important uh, emerging medicine as a as a speciality is is an emerging one and it's and it's relatively new compared to other specialities where do you think is next for for the speciality of emergency medicine and how do you think it fits in with general practice and and other acute specialities gosh that's a big question yeah, sorry uh, that's a big question <laughs> no no that's fine and and not what not one I see myself as a, as an expert in being able to answer, but I mean you are completely right. Um, it is a really new specialty, and the formation of our Royal College of Emergency Medicine was a huge step. Yeah, um, it's really yeah. progressed a long way in the last few years. Um, our curriculum's being rewritten at the moment, and there's a number of different things that we'll be looking um, to change about the specialty. I'm just involved in a very very small part of that. I think if you look at other systems like Australia um, and elsewhere, you'll see an emergency medicine system which deals with a lot more of the ongoing care, a bit more of the critical care. I hope that will certainly be something which comes into our specialty. But also, mm. I think a, a greater understanding about managing risk. Evidence-based medicine has become a huge part of emergency medicine now, and you'll often, mm. often hear colleagues on the shop floor talking about how evidence relates to the care that they're giving to their patients and i yeah. think a huge amount will also be down to how other specialties sort of integrate in acute care of patients how much mm -hmm. ownership they take of that and and how much funding goes into them being able to support that or whether or not that's something that emergency medicine takes more and more of a role in as time goes on mm. Certainly lots of things to think about, I mean, especially the role of, of general practice and, and sort of unnecessary admissions to emergency departments. And I know in the Norfolk and Norwich here in Norwich, they, um, they've got an older people's emergency department as well as a, a paediatric emergency department and yeah. a general, um, which perhaps is a better way of splitting up. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, lots to think I, about. I, for sure. I think what, whatever you've whatever the patient's um, concern is or problem that they need addressing, I mean, the ideal is that they see the person who's best placed to deal with that patient, to help them and, and to sort of give them the ongoing care that they need. It's quite difficult, this um, inappropriate attendance to the emergency department, mm. because at times it really can feel like that. But from a patient's perspective, if you know that you can turn up somewhere which has got the emergency department written on the top of it, and yeah. you're struggling to get access to other services which aren't funded, then I completely understand why those yeah. patients are turning up. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily ease the burden when you've got a queue going out of the department in the middle of the night. But um, 
yeah, um, I, there there needs to be solutions, I guess, and um, you know. We will wait to see exactly yeah, what course. those are. Probably way well, way beyond, way above my pay grade for sure, um, and mine. <laughs> moving on slightly, you're also uh, a pre-hostel emergency medicine consultant as as well, um, working for the Devon Air Ambulance, is it? Yeah, that's right. How do you how did you get into pre-hostel medicine? I know I sort of followed lots of people on Twitter, and and you know you see the people standing outside the helicopter, and it, it looks all very um, traumatic <laughs> and and exciting. Um, but is that the day-to-day of, of a pre-hostel medicine consultant or, or is there more to it than to, to it than that? So again, I'd love to say that it's all going from huge RTC to RTC and it's saving lives and you know, it's, it's all glory. But um, I think the real thing about pre-hospital emergency medicine is the fact that you're taking what you've learnt in your base specialty, so whether that be emergency medicine, anaesthesia, ITU, and you're taking that to an environment where it's really difficult to provide care that you can provide in a a well-set-up system in hospital. And Mm. it's about the art of trying to deliver that care in a way with a small team. And and the team that you you go with is hugely, hugely talented with just a really small part of it. Yeah. And providing that care in, you know, essentially what could be a chaotic environment in a really well ordered, well drilled and, and well governed system. Mm. Um I mean there are without a doubt some unbelievable cases that all services will go to. Um and it is really exciting. A lot of the day will be spent going through checklists for kit. Uh, it will be spent going through our daily training um, and then debrief of cases. And, and I think, again, the teaching is a huge bonus to it. But yeah. but what pre-hospital emergency medicine affords is the ability to really focus on those jobs that you're going with. And in the emergency mm. department, having a debrief is a relative luxury, but it would be really mm. unusual to come away from a case and not be talking about it with all the crew, from the pilots, the paramedics, the doctors. Yeah, And that's, you know, again, a real privilege and something which really helps inform good practice in the emergency department. Mm. Uh, so what is it about the air ambulance that you enjoy the most? It'd be boring to say it would be the learning again with um, a multidisciplinary <laughs> team, wouldn't it? So uh <laughs> Uh, it would but be that boring, would be the, but if the that's your answer, answer, that's your answer. <laughs> yeah. I can't help that. So, so it is working with a fantastic and, and driven team, I think. Yeah. Um, without a doubt, the caseload that we go to mm. is really exciting. Um, and, you know, it's just about pushing yourself. And I've only been involved in pre-hospital emergency medicine for uh, just over three years. So mm. I can s- still consider myself very new to the specialty but again it's you know it's learning new things all the time and, yeah. and how to yeah. deliver that best care to the patient yeah for, for medical students and, and and junior doctors wanting to go into into a career that like your like yours what would you recommend doing at this stage um to sort of help them um get into the jobs that they want to so i i think with anything um it's just displaying how keen you are at whatever stage you find that might be mm-hmm. so you're pretty much guaranteed no matter which department you go to, to find somebody that you can really use as a mentor. And I think finding that mentor in whatever emergency department or setting that might be is really important. And then there's no real replacement for just getting your hands dirty and getting stuck in. Mm. And we will get some medical students that come to the department that are so enthused about the specialty and really want to see patients and it almost feels like you've got another member of the team in the department mm. who essentially is working for free and um 
that can only be rewarded by us in the department by giving them every opportunity that they can have on that shift yeah. um, to see the best cases, to give them as much teaching as possible. So, you know, whether that be a, a medical student, whether that be an F1, an F2, somebody who's gone off into training elsewhere, yeah. just showing enthusiasm and finding somebody that can give you advice for how you can get more involved, I think is probably the best way to do it. And, and that's true for any specialty. So you, you've mentioned teaching uh, several times in the in the interview, um, and you do a lot of it. Um, if people don't know you, you're a host, one of the hosts uh, of of the Recess um, podcast, um, Recess Room podcast. How did you get into podcasting? Is it is something do you listen to a lot of podcasts at home, or or was this just an idea that was pitched to you at the time? So again, showing my age, so podcasts became popular, I guess, when I was a registrar and. I just absolutely love auditory learning. I yeah. find it by far the most engaging way that my brain works. Um, I can read, but um, I'm not a fantastic person to sit down and, and get through a book. Mm. But if you give me an audio book, I'll be absolutely fine with it. So podcasts just lend themselves perfectly, really, to, to the way that I learn. And I had thought a little bit about being involved in a podcast, but not to a massive amount. Um and then this is really a warning for anyone that's listening. What you say in your consultant interviews uh, and what you promise for the department is probably quite significant. So I worked for an amazing clinical director when I was in Birmingham. Um, his name was Aidan McNamara and, and a huge inspiration, I think, for many people that have worked with him and continue to work with him. And in that interview, I said that I'd set up a podcast for the department. So that podcast was called HeftyM Cast. And I can remember about a month into the job, not really knowing, apart from seeing patients, what I should be doing with my other time, which were given in the office. Uh, and he said, well, have you sorted the podcast out yet? Um, in a friendly way, but enough that I knew that that's what I should be doing. Yeah. So I ended up going to what we had at the time, which was a multimedia department and meeting another person who's been really pivotal to my career, um, who's a guy called Nigel Taylor, who worked on websites and audio and um, video down in the department. And with a piece of paper, I sat or stood, rather should say, there wasn't room to sit in a broom cupboard with him with a microphone up against my face with my paper rattling. Um, and we recorded a few episodes. And from that point, it developed a bit there into sort of the departmental podcast. Mm. And then when I moved to Bristol, that changed a bit more um, into the recess room. Yeah. Um, and then found myself working with two fantastic people, um, with Rob Fenwick, who's a, one of the lead ACPs up in Heartlands, um, and James Yates, who's one of the critical care paramedics down here. So, yeah, it was probably an accident, but I guess the reason I've stayed with it is, again, because it ensures that I carry on learning yeah. um, all throughout my career. Definitely not a finished article and, and need to carry on doing that. And it's something we all get a massive amount of reward for, really. Um, it's been a, a great journey so far if you were to describe the podcast in, in a few sentences for people who, who haven't listened uh, how would you describe it uh, three mates sitting down around a microphone who happen to be chatting about evidence-based medicine and emergency medicine and critical care i guess a, in a nutshell a very good summary yeah i mean you mentioned lots of times actually that not only learning and, and teaching but research and that's a large part of what you do in in the podcast as well I know for medical students, it can sometimes be very tedious and junior doctors as well. Just 
that extra thing that you have to do, the audits you have to do and and don't find research really that interesting. What what do you find interesting about it that sort of keeps you constantly reading the papers that you do? So I think reading a scientific paper is definitely not a, a hobby of mine, but I think it's what the messages within the paper contain and what that means for our patients is hugely inspiring and makes reading those papers rewarding. So a lot of what we do in medicine and certainly in emergency medicine, there are very few treatments or tests that we do which are absolutely definitive. And therefore, every single step along that patient's journey, you need to be looking for small gains for things which are either going to improve their testing, their diagnostic or ruling out that they've got a disease or to those small gains from the treatment that you're going to be affording them as well. And emergency medicine's rapidly evolving as a specialty and it won't look, as you've alluded to, the way that it does today in 10 years' time. And, and who knows what it will look like. But just trying to keep on top of that and be as good as you can possibly be, I think, is the driver for it. So, yeah, there is a definite reason behind reading those papers. Mm. And uh, if people ha- haven't listened to the podcast, you do a lot of... Um, is it weekly that you do the paper? Or No, it might feel like it, but <laughs> it's not... Um, it doesn't it doesn't get uploaded that often so we do a we do a monthly papers review so we monthly do papers, papers that we review. think yeah. uh yeah relevant to practice and then yeah. probably again monthly we normally do something called roadside of recess which is yeah. the whole journey of a patient from point of disease starting really um pre-hospitally all the way through to their treatment in the yeah. emergency department and on to intensive care and you review lots of papers as well and um yeah so i've i've found that very interesting and thanks very much for coming on the podcast it's been really interesting chatting to you about your career and and um and the podcast as well um well much for having me and thanks very much for your resource as well because it it may feel at times like it's aimed just at medical students but i can promise you there are a lot of us out here who right up to consultancy exams will use those resources to make sure that our clinical skills are refined as they possibly can be so thanks very much for all the hard work that you guys do Thank you again for listening and if you enjoyed the podcast and want to hear more from us please consider subscribing through your podcast provider. You can also follow Geeky Medics on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. As always we'd love to hear from you with suggestions on who you would like to hear from next now in the new year. Thank you to the producers of the podcast Alice Appleton and Dr Lewis Potter.